unregulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad that you've joined us on the uh, program today. We're going to talk about what is going on and what is not going on at the Supreme Court, uh, which uh, once again, the second week in a row, took no action in a a big Second Amendment case called New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Uh, You might know this case as New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett. Uh, Keith Corlett was the uh, former superintendent of the New York State Police, the named plaintiff, but we now have a new superintendent of the New York State Police, so uh, the case is technically changed now to NYSRPA v. Bruin. This is a case that is uh, challenging New York's carry laws, and uh, for the second week in a row, the Supreme Court took no action on this case. Uh, and I have seen, when I reported this on uh, Twitter, I saw I got a earful from folks because I, I tried to explain a couple of things that might be going on here, only to be met with a uh, fairly resounding chorus of, no, no, the Supreme Court's just not going to help us. Nothing's changed. Amy Coney Barrett's not going to make a difference. It doesn't matter. The court's not going to take any Second Amendment cases. So I, I, I thought we could explore this on the show today. The And I, I want to give a fair hearing uh, to that argument, but I also want to point out a couple of other things that might be going on. Uh, so, first of all, why are folks, some folks anyway, so convinced that the court is not going to take action here? Well, they've got good reason to be skeptical. Look, the last time the Supreme Court issued a substantive ruling in a Second Amendment case was a decade ago, actually more than a decade ago, uh, McDonald versus the city of Chicago, which struck down the city of Chicago's handgun ban. Mr. Otis McDonald uh, filed suit. He wanted to be able to keep a gun in his home for self-defense. city of Chicago said, no, uh, we banned handguns in 1982, and uh, nobody's been allowed to own a handgun in Chicago ever since. Now... All it takes is looking at Chicago's crime rate to see how well that gun ban worked. But uh, but they wanted to keep it on the books. And in 2010, the Supreme Court, two years after the Heller case, uh, which struck down Washington, D.C.'s ban on handguns, the court said that, look, the Second Amendment protects the right to keep and bear arms against not just federal infringement, but against state and local laws that would infringe on the right to keep and bear arms as well. And since then... The court has mainly been silent. About six weeks after the passage of uh, Justice Antonin Scalia, the court issued guidance in a case called Catano versus Massachusetts. Uh, Catano was a a woman who wanted to own a stun gun, uh, which were banned in Massachusetts. And the state of Massachusetts said, look, uh, this ban is perfectly fine. After all, stun guns weren't around in 1791. So even if you can argue that the uh, right to keep and bear arms is an individual right. It it surely doesn't cover things like stun guns, which were completely unknown to the founding fathers. And the court said, no, uh, that's not the case. Go back and look at what we said in Heller. Arms that are in common use for a variety of lawful purposes are protected under the Second Amendment. At least that's that's, that's where the assumption should start. Uh, and, uh, And they sent that case back down to the lower court. Massachusetts only repealed its ban on stun guns. Since then, the court really hasn't done anything. They accepted a case uh, challenging a New York City gun law, but New York City 
mooted that case by changing the law after the Supreme Court accepted review. It was a very controversial thing to do, and there were a couple of Supreme Court justices who said they shouldn't be allowed to do this. Even if they change the law in question, we need to rule on this because they can just change the law again back to what it was originally now that this case has been dismissed. But the court did decide that that case had been mooted. Um, the court has also rejected, again, dozens of Second Amendment challenges since the uh, Heller and McDonald decisions were handed down more than a decade ago. So there is a, a sense among many gun owners that the court is simply not interested or not willing uh, to hear any Second Amendment cases. And I do think it's fair to say that uh, there should be there is some concern over where Chief Justice John Roberts is right now on the issue. Uh, you know, he was in the majority in Heller. He was in the majority in McDonald. But uh, has he gotten a little squishy since then? Maybe. I mean, it, it, that, that certainly is the most likely explanation as to why the court has until now uh, refused to take any Second Amendment cases, because the uh, four justices that are reliably supportive of the uh, individual right to keep and bear arms, Justice Gorsuch, Justice Thomas, Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Alito, those four votes alone would be enough to accept a case, and yet the court hasn't yet. So the speculation is, all right, well, they're concerned that Chief Justice Roberts isn't going to go along. Meanwhile, the four reliably anti-gun justices are also apparently a little concerned that Justice Roberts may not side with them if they were to agree to accept a case to uphold a gun control law. Nobody's really sure where Justice Roberts is going to stand. Except now, those four reliably anti-gun votes are down to three with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Justice Amy Coney Barrett being appointed to the bench should give us, on paper anyway, five justices, even if Justice Roberts doesn't join the majority, should give us a majority of five justices that would uh, uh, uphold our right to keep and bear arms and strike down unconstitutional gun control laws. And yet we have this case, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett slash Bruin, that's just been sitting there in conference for the past couple of weeks. And so the frustration and the agitation and the angst among some gun owners is that, you know, look, nothing's changed. We've got Barrett on the bench, but they're still not taking these cases. So what's going on? Well, first of all, let's note that the court did not reject New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett slash Bruin today. They, they did not reject it. They did not accept it. Uh, instead, it is most likely going to be relisted in conference again this Friday. So they're going to continue talking about this case. Why would they do that? Well, it's not unusual for cases to be relisted. As a matter of fact, if cases are relisted, it tends to increase the odds that they will ultimately be accepted by the court. So a relist in and of itself should not be a sign that the court is ultimately going to reject it. The reason why some gun owners are skittish about that is that the court last year relisted, I think three different times, uh, about 10 Second Amendment cases, raising expectations that they were going to hear at least one of them. And then they came out and they rejected all of them. They denied cert in every single case. So gun owners, I think, are rightfully skeptical to uh, for the argument that, well, a relist improves the odds. Now, it doesn't mean it's a guarantee, 
But historically speaking, that that is the case. When a challenge gets heard again and again, multiple times uh, in a uh, Supreme Court conference, that case tends to get accepted eventually. So I would point to that first as, as an argument as to why gun owners should not simply look at the fact that the court is holding on to this case as a sign that the court is ultimately going to reject this case. So, so why is the court hanging on? to uh, NYSRPA versus Corlew. Why haven't they simply accepted the case? Why haven't they simply denied the case? Why haven't they done anything with it? Well, again, we don't know for sure because the court is probably the last leak-proof institution in Washington, D.C. But there are a couple of things going on here that that might be in play. Uh, first, you may the court may have already made its decision the court may have decided to accept this case, may have decided to reject this case, but they're waiting for a written dissent to be finished before they announce their decision. So in other words, if if I, if, if let, let's say that four justices, heck, let's say five justices agreed to hear this case, but Justice Sotomayor or Justice Kagan doesn't think that they should take this case, they might say, well, hang on a second, just like Justice Thomas has written dissents when the court hasn't taken a case before. Uh, Justice Alito's written a dissent when the court hasn't taken a Second Amendment case before. We want to write a dissent arguing that the court should not have accepted this case. And the court will not release its orders until that written dissent is completed. So it could be actually that the court has taken this case or, or has agreed to accept this case but we're waiting on that dissent from one of the liberal members of the court. I don't even want to say liberal. From one of the left-leaning uh, or, or just, you know, toppled over, they're so far left, members of the court, until they make that decision known. I think that's actually a fairly likely possibility. There's also another possibility. Because there's another case dealing with the right to carry that's going to be coming before the Supreme Court for consideration in the very near future. This is a case called Young versus Hawaii out of the Ninth Circuit. We've talked about it here on the program before. In Young versus Hawaii, the Ninth Circuit ruled that there is no right to openly carry a firearm that's protected by the Second Amendment. And the Ninth Circuit has previously ruled in a case called Peruta versus San Diego that the Second Amendment does not protect the right to carry a concealed firearm. So the Ninth Circuit has declared that the right to keep and bear arms does not protect a right to bear arms outside of the home in self-defense. And it could be that the Supreme Court, a majority of justices on the Supreme Court, are waiting for Young versus Hawaii to, uh, to get to SCOTUS because they want to take that case. Now, why would they wait? I mean, this question is still basically the same, right, in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association uh, versus Corlett slash Bruin as it is in Young versus Hawaii. One potential reason. And again, I hate to use all these weasel words, but we don't know for sure. But one potential reason why the court may decide that Young versus Hawaii is the case they want to, to deal with, rather than New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett, is that the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, which uh, oversees uh, federal lawsuits filed in New York State, they have opined in an earlier decision called Kachowski that New York's gun licensing regime does not violate the Constitution. And this most recent case, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett slash Bruin, uh, 
the Second Circuit has basically said, look, uh, there's nothing really new here. We've already said New York's laws are fine. That, that yes, while you may have to show some sort of justifiable need to carry a firearm and a general right of self-defense is not that justifiable need. And yes, while that may implicate the, the, the right to bear arms, it is still well within the state's authority to set these restrictions in place because they have a public safety interest and they believe that these laws actually make the state of New York a safer place. You and I obviously would have a very different opinion about that. So it could be that the court sees the, uh, the Young versus Hawaii case as a cleaner case, uh, one in which there is not uh, already precedent uh, and, 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 and guidance that is in place uh, within the, as is the case in the Second Circuit. I, I honestly, I don't know, however, if that's a strong enough reason uh, for the court to hold off and ultimately take Young versus Hawaii instead of New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corliss slash Bruin. Because, as I said earlier, the, the question in both of these cases is fundamentally the same. Does the Second Amendment protect a right to bear arms outside of the home? And there is a split right now in the Circuit Courts of Appeals. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, a couple of years ago, struck down Washington, D.C.'s good cause requirement. Again, self-defense not seen as a uh, valid reason or good cause for you to carry a gun. And the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals said, well, that's wrong. Because that means that the average citizen is precluded from exercising that right. And the average citizen has the right to act in self-defense. We know this because Heller informed us that the core purpose of the Second Amendment is to protect the, uh, the right of self-defense in the home. That's the core purpose, but it's not the only purpose. The Second Circuit in New York, or which, which governs New York's uh, federal lawsuits, um, they basically said, you know, that Heller decision was really confusing. And, uh, and, and, and while it protects a, a, a right of self-defense inside the home, clearly that right must be greatly diminished as soon as you step out onto your porch. Again, I don't agree. The D.C. Circuit, sort of, uh, DC Circuit Court of Appeals does not agree either. So we already have a split in the circuits. Now you've got the Ninth Circuit weighing in. The Seventh Circuit weighed in a couple of years ago in a case involving Illinois' complete and utter ban on the carrying of firearms. And they ruled that, yeah, you do have a right to carry. And as a matter of fact, your, your need to carry in self-defense is actually more acute on the streets of Chicago than it is in your 37th floor apartment in Chicago. Uh, and rather than appeal that case to the Supreme Court, Gun control activists convinced the state of Illinois to take the loss and adopt a shall-issue uh, concealed carry law instead. Same thing happened in D.C. When the District of Columbia lost at the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, gun control activists begged them, don't appeal, don't take this up to SCOTUS, because this gives the Supreme Court an opportunity to set nationwide precedent. So just take the loss, adopt a shall-issue system, make it as onerous as possible, but uh, but 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 don't 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 appeal this case. And D.C. did not. So right now. We do have that split in the circuits that does exist, which I also think makes it more likely that the court is ultimately going to accept 
either New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett slash Bruin uh, or Young versus Hawaii. Now, I know which one I would prefer them to take. I would prefer them to take the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case because it's already there. Uh, we don't have to wait. Uh, if, if the court decides, nah, we're not going to take this case, and let's say they deny cert in a New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus a Corliss slash Bruin, then we would have to wait uh, at least another couple of weeks for uh, Young versus Hawaii to get to the court. Then the uh, state of Hawaii would have at least 30 days to respond to the uh, petition for certiorari. Uh, and then only after the state of Hawaii uh, issues its response would the Supreme Court start considering whether or not to take Young versus Hawaii in its conference. So it would be a delay of at least a couple of months. I would much prefer to see the court accept NYSRPA and put this on the docket. I, I'm not in favor of any more delays. But I can understand the argument that the, uh, the Young versus Hawaii case is a, uh, a, a cleaner challenge, shall we say, than a New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. Obviously, uh, uh, former Solicitor General Paul Clement, who is uh, representing the plaintiffs in NYSRPA, he feels differently. And I, I, I understand his argument, too. I tend to side with it. But I, I understand the argument that Young versus Hawaii makes a, a better vehicle for the court to weigh in on these issues. As frustrating as it is to, uh, to see the court delay, I'm not freaking out about this. And I don't think you should either. I don't think that the court's relisting uh, of a New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett is a bad sign, necessarily. Again, there are things that could be at play behind the scenes, uh, but historically speaking, a relist actually ups the odds of the court taking a case rather than decreasing the odds of the court taking a case. So, it's hard. I know it's easier said than done, but I would counsel patience right now. If we get to the point where the Supreme Court has said no to both the New York case and the Hawaii case, that's the point where I will say, okay, you're right. Nothing has changed. The addition of Amy Coney Barrett to the bench hasn't changed the calculus for whatever reason, and the court is still unwilling to accept Second Amendment challenges. But we're not there yet. And within a couple of months, we might be at that point, but we're not there yet. So don't give up hope. Don't freak out. Don't panic over the court's public inaction because we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And uh, it could be that next Monday the court comes out and says, yes, we're accepting this case. It could also be that next Monday the court comes out and says, no, we're denying cert in this case. And a third possibility is that next Monday the court comes out and says nothing about the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case and just relist it once again. Um, all of those are possibilities. But I don't think any of us actually know what the court is going to do. We can look at what the court has done in the past, and certainly there are arguments for uh, both the pessimistic and the optimistic point of view. Um, but I don't think that there is cause for 
alarm. I don't think that there is cause for panic. Um, frustration, sure. I'm right there with you. But uh, I, again, I would counsel patience here. We will know soon enough what the court is going to do uh, to these challenges, hoping to uh, uh, clear up any misunderstandings about what the right to bear arms actually means. All right, let's turn our attention now to our armed citizen story of the day, our uh, uh, good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with uh, this charming fellow. This is, uh, who is this guy? Scott Stepp. Not Scott Stapp, the uh, former lead singer of Creed. Scott Stepp of Guysville, Georgia. Just sentenced to four years in prison in Athens County Common Pleas Court after violating the terms of previously imposed community control sanctions, uh, otherwise known as probation. And it took a lot for Mr. Stepp to actually be sentenced to four years in prison. A lot of probation violations before that was finally triggered. Uh, Patrick Lang granted the uh, community control sanction with a potential sentence of four years in prison back in October of 2018 after pleading guilty to aggravated trafficking in drugs, trafficking in heroin, and receiving stolen property. Two months later, in December of 2018, Step failed to complete the drug rehabilitation program that he was ordered to complete. And then in January of 2019, Step arranged to have his girlfriend leave pot for him in the elevator of the Athens County Courthouse. That alone was not enough for the judge to revoke his probation. Instead, according to the Athens Messenger, Lang decided to give Step a second chance to complete the terms of his probation. In late 2019, however, Step was indicted for robbery a second-degree felony with a gun specification, so we're talking armed robbery, having weapons under disability and receiving stolen property. Uh, the indictment followed an incident on January 28th, excuse me, of uh, November 28th of that year, in which Stepp allegedly threatened an employee at the Guysville Marathon gas station and brandished a gun. At the time, Stepp was wanted in connection with an incident earlier in the evening in which somebody allegedly shot a handgun several times towards a home in Stewart. His arrest on these charges was also not enough to revoke Stepp's probation. While that case was still pending, Stepp was charged with criminal trespassing by being on the grounds of the Guysville Marathon gas station in May of last year, 2020. And then he violated the terms of his probation by failing to complete drug-ordered uh, or ordered uh, drug rehabilitation programs again, not contacting the adult parole authority, failing to appear at court hearings, fleeing law enforcement officers on multiple occasions, and resisting arrest. And only that laundry list of incidents resulted in Stepp's probation being revoked. Lang imposed the four-year prison sentence. Stepp uh, was given, however, 545 days of jail credit, uh, but the sentence cannot be reduced for good behavior. So Stepp is uh, going to do, you know, a little more than two years of that four-year sentence after his probation was finally revoked after multiple criminal incidents. And again... Why do we need more gun control laws in the books? They're talking about it in Georgia, right? Well, we need waiting periods. We need all these kinds. No, what we need to do is we actually need to ensure that uh, individuals who are repeat violent offenders don't get a get out of jail free card. That's what we need. 
All right, today's uh, Armed Citizen story from Caddo County, Oklahoma. This the uh, home in Lakiba, where a uh, homeowner engaged in a shootout with a uh, couple of home invaders. Uh, deputies called to the home on uh, March 22nd after the homeowner noticed two suspicious men circling his residence. Caddo County Sheriff Spencer Davis said he called his brother-in-law, who lives down the road from him, told him I want to come down because he's fixing to get burglarized. Uh, moments later, 22-year-old Kyle Kuchias and uh, 30-year-old Scotty Runzel began trying to kick in the homeowner's back door. Sheriff Davis says when the suspects entered the house, the homeowner fired a shot in their direction, didn't hit anybody. Then the suspect fired a shot back at the homeowner. The uh, homeowner uh, began chasing both suspects as they drove away. Suspects began firing shots through the sunroof of the car as they did. They eventually crashed into a, a nearby tree and then took off on foot. Uh... Runzel gave himself up to law enforcement shortly after the crash. Kachias launched an hours-long manhunt, eventually surrendering to police in a nearby field. Sheriff Davis says, quote, I would not advise breaking into anything into rural Oklahoma because they don't mess around. Yeah. Both suspects, by the way, convicted felons. Not allowed to possess a firearm. Both suspects also found with meth on them. They were uh, booked on complaints of possession of a controlled substance, first-degree burglary, shooting with intent to kill. Not sure why they weren't booked on felon and possession charges, but uh, prosecutors, I guess, can always add that later. And uh, finally today, our good deed of the day from uh, Yakima, Washington. Kennewick, Washington, actually. Uh, police say a Tri-City resident found a plastic bag that had $7,000 in it last Thursday night. And uh, obviously... Since we're hearing about it, he didn't keep it. He actually turned it in. Police say the resident was inside a Circle K and while he was shopping, found a plastic bag with the money inside. Police say the citizen then contacted police and turned the money over to the store clerk. The clerk safeguarded the money until police were able to arrive. Uh, Officer Shepard with the Richland Police Department stopped to assist. Officer Shepard and Kennewick Police Sergeant Luttrell counted the money, entered it into evidence for safekeeping. Uh, through a review of the video surveillance system, they were able to determine the owner of the money and reunite the owner with that uh, large amount of cash. So in the right place, at the right time, we weren't able to do the right thing. And I got to say, I mean, that that is that's pretty extraordinary. It really, truly is. It would have been the easiest thing in the world for that individual to say, what is this? What's in this bag? Oh. I'm just going to go ahead and go home now. I don't need to wait in line for that uh, Coca-Cola in case somebody comes back for their money. Easiest thing in the world to do that. But that's not what that individual did. I, I wish I had a name to tell you, but all I know is that uh, we had an anonymous individual there in the right place at the right time and willing and able to do the right thing. And so whoever you are, we thank you for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube or Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Rumble.com. That way you'll never miss a program. If you like the uh, podcast version, well, we got you covered there too. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the townhall.com podcast page. Plenty of places for you to find us. Uh, don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day for even more Second Amendment news and information. And we will be back tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow we're going to talk with Jim Hansen about um, ways to win the uh, cold civil war that we are currently in uh, without the cold civil war getting hot. 
Have a great rest of your Monday. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free. I'd add be patient, too. Be patient.